Welcome back to the Anti-Bully Club podcast. In this episode, I interviewed Janet from Bully Zero. Janet is the CEO and just a terrific and wonderful woman that has a story that is going to be hard for some listeners to digest. I'm going to flag this one for anyone that's gone through any type of abuse. This context is going to relate to child abuse at a young age that has had a ripple effect but in saying that made Janet the person that she is, a resilient woman that is a CEO of Bully Zero, a charity that we fully support here on this channel. So for anyone that's under the age of 18, please have parent consent or listen to this with a loved one. That's it for now. Let's dive into this podcast. Welcome back to the Anti-Bully Podcast. My name's Dan and I have Janet from Bully Zero, not just from Bully Zero, but the CEO of Bully Zero on the other line. Janet, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? I am so excited to be part of this podcast tonight. Oh, it's not even funny. Uh, when I started the the Anti-Bully Club uh, and I aligned myself with, with Bully Zero, which is obviously the charity that um, you're showcasing and have done amazing things with, uh, it was just so rewarding when um, we actually had a phone call, I believe. Um, I was in the car and had you on the Bluetooth and just the inspiration that I got over that phone call and just everything sort of aligned. I knew that you were the charity that I wanted to support and and get out there with my audience as well so they can see what I believed in. That is so awesome. I actually remember that conversation really well. I think we had a couple of connection issues, but we got through. Um, and I too remember that it was a, a lovely conversation and the connection uh, was immediate for us. And I think we knew that um, a very wonderful journey was about to begin. <laughs> I love how you say that. Um, and it's, it is just the start. I mean, the I didn't know I don't know if you know at the time, but uh, this was obviously something that I had in the works with my co-host Detlin, um, and also with a, a YouTube channel that's going to be coming out in 2023. Uh, to to have you on the show so early on in the piece has just been an absolute pleasure. So I do want you to give the audience a little bit of I suppose awareness about who you are, um, your your role, what the CEO sort of entitles you to with Bully Zero, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, it's a, it's a, it's actually a big job and probably hard to describe um, very quickly, but the role really is um, about supporting a wonderful team of passionate staff members and volunteers and ambassadors to get out there and deliver the key work that we do, and that's around education prevention, building advocacy and awareness around the issue of bullying. So making sure that um, the Bully Zero team have the tools that they need and the empowering abilities to get out there to deliver that life-saving work is what I'm there to do, to garner their interests, to garner their ideas, to put that all together in a way that keeps the work going on and on. So I think that's really it in a nutshell, to make sure that the team have what they need to get out there and change the lives of communities, whether it's with young people, whether it's with parents or whether it's with employees across the country. 
Oh, I love that because you are you. I know that it was based in Victoria at the at the time, um, but you're becoming Australia wide, which is truly amazing. And I know that I've connected with people on the Sunshine Coast that are in line with with Bully Zero as well, which it's totally um, credit to yourself and your team. How did you get and how did you you know become a part of Bully Zero? So do you mind explaining the process of how this sort of uh, become the person that you are and obviously <laughs> line with the charity? No, awesome question. It probably stems back without showing my age. Um, it probably stems back to uh, my stint straight out of university. Uh, I got an internship at another not-for-profit organisation and my career, I wanted to be uh, a corporate marketer and that changed. Once I had experienced the not-for-profit sector, I loved everything about it. I loved how it felt and how every night I could go home and put my head on the pillow and think I've done something good today. So um, those 30 years have kind of brought me to where I am today. I've had so many varied roles and worked for so many different amazing not-for-profit organisations that, you know, save lives, change lives. And I've met some wonderful people who have become mentors uh, and have supported my career aspirations. So, um, you know, we can get to the story about, you know, why Bully Zero became Bully Zero. And it's an interesting one because me taking on the role um, at Bully Zero came about or came out of a, an interesting situation with a role that I had prior to Bully Zero, which was about, which was about some bullying in the workplace. Workplace bullying, which is a big factor, which stems from, you know, your childhood, the way that you, you know, you grew up. And I'm going to say the way you were brought up, but the way that you interpreted the world at the time and and obviously the people around you being kids or teachers, as you say, mentors as well, people that you looked up to. Um, So what kind of made the stars align? I I, I know that we're going to talk about this later on in the podcast, but... (laughs) so fascinated by how this sort of you know become the person that you are and have such a big part in in bully zero um and obviously the future of bully zero yeah such a good question and i think too it's got a lot to do with uh the way i was brought up um you know i was brought up in a in a household where um you know being charitable um, and giving to those that were less fortunate was something that was instilled um in myself and my sister at a very young age. So, you know, my mother, especially my mother was always involved in community work, giving. She was the the mum that every child in the neighbourhood knew as their mum. And I learnt from that. And I learnt that for me, um, I always put myself last and I put others before myself, even as I grew up um, and had an experience of, abuse in my childhood um, and tried to carry the goodness um, of what the world can be right throughout that horrible experience as well to where I am today. So I think that the stars were aligned for me in many ways to get into this sector and and make a difference. And um, as I mentioned before, I had some incredible mentors along the way who um, didn't tell me how to do my job but in actual fact allowed me to open up my wings and learn and develop my own style of leadership and communication. So very blessed to have that opportunity. I love that as well. When you're 
around a good team of people and people that put that faith in you to be you and be the you know the true you as well not just you know micromanage or steer you in one direction they want the company to go or the charity is it is a blessing so you know full credit to to bully zero obviously there's a big story behind how and why they came about um spoken to, to dave briefly um who we got on the podcast thanks to thanks to your team um a few episodes ago but it was it, it's a tragic story um but something that i know that we're on the phone not too long ago how resilient and how strong um the parents the, the, especially the father has come from um all that you know the, the trauma from from what happened yeah, absolutely. And it's a it's a tragic story about, you know, a young boy, um, you know, who took his own life at the hands of a bully. And it wasn't, you know, until 2011, so two years after um, him taking his own life, it was in 2011 when he was officially, officially recognised as a victim of crime. It took that long. It took a couple of years and that was because Ali, you know, our, our founding patron, uh, you know, lobbied and worked hard to have the issue of bullying and suicide recognised. And, I mean, I would love to obviously connect down the track and, and, and obviously talk about the resilience and the courage that it took to pursue that because once you've lost a loved one, let alone your own child, I could imagine the, how devastating it is. And I know a lot of people wouldn't have that drive to pursue such a thing. It would, it, it, life's hard enough as it is, let alone yeah. lose someone so close to you. It's it's a true testament to his drive and, and where he's come from and obviously overcoming the the impact that that would have had. Oh, absolutely, no doubt. And I think, you know, every time we talk about uh, Alam's story to, you know, our community, um, it is obvious that Alam's death was incomprehensible and the loss entirely overwhelming to his family and friends. Um, But the fact that his parents continually campaigned to bring awareness to the dangers of cyberbullying, they created some change and that that campaigning and that um, persistence has saved so many lives today. And, and, and look, you do shine a light when it comes to a dark place. And, and I know the gratitude is definitely there and um, how, you know, you can reflect on the impact of the people's lives that they have saved, especially going through a pandemic like COVID-19 and a lot of kids being at home and um, receiving the bullying through, you know, your, your, your web pages, your Facebook, uh, your Instagram, what, whatever they're, they're getting it on. It's so hard to escape that now. It's, it's the new reality. Yep. Yep. And it's sad. And, and sadly, um, you know, we saw uh, an uprise in, in bullying experiences for young people during the COVID pandemic. I mean, all of our lives became about being online. Our education was online. Our entertainment was online. Everything we did during those lockdown periods or during the COVID, the pandemic was online. Your Zoom calls, everything I know. It's everything. And it's, you know, those digital platforms, like I said, it wasn't just personal use we were using digital platforms for everything um so yeah it 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 can you know there was an uprise um a very significant uprise in bullying experiences for young people during that time 
And for anyone that is listening, Bully Zero is is a great avenue to go through if, you know, your child, a cousin, anyone is going through any type of bullying in particular. And we're going to talk about that down this podcast and we'll go down the rabbit hole of it. But there are avenues to get help, to seek people that are there for the right reasons, that are going to be, you know, helping your child, helping you go through it as a parent. Because as a parent, it is it is such a challenge. Um, I've gone through it with with my stepson starting high school this year. And it's it's next level. I was not expecting how impactful it is on on the child, how much of an impact it has on you as a parent. Um, the circumstances around it, it, you never kind of wrap your head around it. And when you love someone so much, you want the best for them. Uh, mm. and, and it's fantastic. See, Bully Zero is that resource that you can go to when you're going through that. There's not just a crisis or a lifeline uh, line that you can call, which I do recommend, obviously, if you're going through things to to, to um, go through that avenue. But there are people out there that are actively coming up with measures in place to help you guys get through it, to help you get through it with your kid or even in your workplace. I mean, I found some of the stuff that you guys are doing to <laughs> definitely help me with clarity for some of the things that I'm doing. And it was the obvious choice when I wanted to work with a charity with the Anti-Bully Club to, to be Bully Zero. The, everything that you put in place place just it just meant it felt like home it felt like yeah. a place and and you've done a terrific job with what you're doing no thank you and I think that's a really you know critical message for anyone that listens to this podcast um you know that they can you know if they're trying to navigate and trying to understand um you know bullying and where to go to for support and help and they need some assistance with navigating that by all means you know pick up the phone jump on one of our you know, social media platforms or visit our website, you know, our staff, um, our facilitators are always ready to take your call or to take anyone's call just to help them navigate, um, you know, the minefield when it comes to what's going on for them personally, what's going on for their child, what might be happening for them at work or what they might be seeing and need support to say something. So, um, we, we are there. One of our approaches, um, is to support, is to support people um, and provide information and advice to the Australian community on how they can stop bullying if it's themselves who are experiencing it or their children. And and even, this is what, I, what impressed me the most, even if your child or you are the bully, um, yep. you know, I've, I've often referred it to as the switch. I know a lot of us, including myself, that were bullied early on in our childhood became the bully later on. Um, and it's about, you know, recognising the signs and uh, the triggers that, that create that person inside you. So, you know, as I said, it's, it's truly amazing that there are people like yourself and charities like Bully Zero that are there for, for everyone. Now, Janet, coming off a topic a little bit, I want to do <laughs> a little bit of a dive into the person you are and sure. your upbringing. So, you're more than welcome to, to start off at a super young age into, you know, your kindergarten years or straight into primary school and, and, and obviously relationship they had with your parents. Yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, a tough one to talk about. Um, you know, for me, I had a, um, uh, my parents were absolutely wonderful. You know, I was brought into, um, you know, a big, a big family, um, that had, you know, the, the big events every weekend and so forth. Um, 
but sadly at the hands of somebody um, who didn't have the same values, I experienced uh, some abuse. Um, and that abuse changed my mindset from quite a young age. Um, and what I thought I could do to help me out of that situation, um, to not feel so afraid and to not feel like, um, you know, I had to be a part of this abuse was to eat. I started to eat and I thought if I eat, I'm going to get fat. If I get fat, this person's going to leave me alone. Um, and that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, with getting fat because you eat and you're trying to deal with all of that stuff, I got bullied as a kid. So as you can imagine, it was, hey, here comes fatso or, you know, all the nicknames that you can imagine that came out of um, kids' mouths at that young age had a, had a severe impact on me. Um and I couldn't tell my parents about the abuse that I was going through because there were threats associated with the abuse. Um, you know, if you say something, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you, hurt your dad. Um, and as a kid, that's the last thing you kind of want to happen. I don't want to hurt my dad. I love my dad. Um, so I just dealt with it all on my own. And I tried to involve myself in every activity that I could possibly get involved, any school, any after-school activity, I was there. I did it. It was probably a good thing um, for me that I was an extrovert and I was, I was a popular kid. Um, so I was tough, you know, I was tough and I was able to cop it on the chin. You know, back in my day, the word bullying didn't exist. You were getting picked on. That was kind of the, the, the word that was tossed around. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess for me, you know, going into high school, things change. You kind of, your appearance starts to change. You get taller. Boys start to notice you. Um, but still in the back of my mind, that, that abuse um, had me very um, withdrawn from any attention. So the minute someone would say, oh, my God, Janet, you're looking great or you're looking really pretty, what did I resort to? Eating again. Mm. because I was terrified of, oh, you know, suddenly people are paying me attention. That's not good. That's scary. So it took me back to that really horrible place. Um, and that kind of stuff does damage to you. Um, and I never spoke about it until, you know, sadly um, my mum, who was the most inspiring woman that I've ever met in my life, um, passed away quite tragically in 2004. And it was at that point I was probably, I think I was 31, and that's when I actually spoke about what had happened to me as a child you, and started to learn how to deal with those demons. You you held that in for so yep. long. Yeah. And your mum passed away at the age of 31, which is hard enough. No, she was 53 and I was 31 at the time. So right. it wasn't until I was 31 that I actually, after her death and processing that death, I went, I need to, because I didn't know how to show emotion. So that was also another problem, you know, when you're trying to deal and trying to be resilient as a young child, um, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions or to show my emotions. So I would never cry. I was tough. I had this tough exterior. Um, but after that happened, well, all of a sudden my emotions were like, well, something's going on here. You need to talk to someone. Um, and I did. I started to talk to somebody about my experience and the effect that that had. You know, I had family members that would compare me to um, cousins as I was growing up because I was the chubber. 
um, you know, as a result of my abuse, I was always told by some of my family members, you're not the pretty one, you're the smart one. That stuff has an effect on you, especially when you hear it time and time again. As a kid, you feel like, wow, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. It, it sucks, doesn't it, being it, and I think that is like the stigma. Even my my age group going through, you always, you know, compared to your cousins or your brothers and sisters. It's it was just like a natural thing for parents or your your aunties and uncles to go through back then. And yep. they and no one knew about your trauma. So I mean, you were going through quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was pretty horrible. And so having that, you know, in the back of your mind and trying to protect yourself um, from that experience is difficult. And then having, um, you know, relations, you know, call you fat or call you ugly um, time and time again, it makes you, um, I guess back then I didn't understand. We didn't have organisations like Bully Zero. We didn't have um, people come out to schools to talk about the impact that that kind of behaviour can have on kids. It was like toughen up, survive, you'll be fine. Um, we didn't have it. So it's interesting. If I didn't have the support of my, you know, my family, the love um, of my family, I could have gone a very different way. You know, my parents were strong. My mum was um, a brilliant role model when it came to loving her children and embracing every quality that her children had. There was no difference between my sister and I. She loved us equally. If I didn't have that, you know, I often wonder what would my life have become? Uh, and so many people have that life that, that when they're not so blessed and they don't have that resource of their parents or their mother that, that shows that loving and caring side. Your sister, was there a big age gap between the two of you or you guys very close in age? Three years between us and we were sisters that were bound at the hip, if that makes any sense. We never fought. Close. We were close, very, very close. Was your sister older or younger? Younger. I'm the oldest. So you were the protector. I was the protector and I still am, interestingly enough, today. I'm the one that um, still today will go over and beyond for others and put myself last. Still the same. Oh, I, I know that's you. And I, I know, and anyone yeah. listening, I want you to know Janet and obviously Janet's story. It's not an easy one to digest. Uh, for anyone that's gone through any type of abuse, um, please, you know, if you're listening to this, um, know that we're doing this with the right intentions. Uh, Janet has, it shows her resilience. It shows you the person that she is. And it, and it honestly, by the sounds of things, has carved you into the person that you are, a protector, someone that is there to help others. And this role for you in the, the CEO at Bully Zero, it, it was meant for you. Like the stars definitely aligned and, when you started there, I mean, we're even just talking on the phone not so long ago about the process of you coming into the role and how easy it was and how people were so encouraging. And it wasn't something that you were micromanaged in. You could be you and you could be the true you going into it, which is such a rare thing. Um, when it comes to our childhood, it really does shape the person that you are and the experiences that we go through uh, without going into too much you know trauma what do you or 
encourage people that are going through something similar? Is there any kind of advice that you have for someone that is going through a hard time, whether it's abuse or emotional abuse as a, as a child that you can recommend to them? Yeah, absolutely. And I think my, my biggest regret was never finding someone safe that I could talk to, whether it was an aunt, an uncle, a teacher, a friend, um, someone it was so it's so critically important to find someone that you can talk to someone you can trust um because holding those emotions um you know has long lasting effects um but i think for me the fact that i worked in the not for profit sector straight out of uni was almost the therapy that i needed you yeah. know you know that working with organizations that were there helping people, whether it was within the hospital network, whether it was in cancer organizations, um, you're surrounded by people with stories, people who've needed help. And I built some amazing friendships um, from the roles that I had. And I think in many ways that was therapy for me. So the advice, you know, that I have is surround yourself with people you can talk to, whether it's, online and it's anonymous or whether it is someone that you can actually sit down and, and talk to, it will make the world a difference. And when you have that person that you can trust, you can honestly trust them. The The person that is targeting you, that is abusing you, they're using what they think is power over you to say they're going to hurt someone. They're going to manipulate someone. They're going to come for you. They're going to say anything that they can to keep you quiet. Absolutely. Uh, and I know that was the case with you. When you were told those things, how did that emotionally make you feel? Did that make you feel trapped that you had to hold this forever? Oh, absolutely. And also, you know, knowing, you know, my father was a, a strong man and he was a tough man. Like growing up, if I didn't come home with A's on my school report, I knew about it. So, uh, you know, I knew that if I if I told my dad what was going on or I told my mum, there would be severe implications um, for the person who was abusing me and, um, you know, how that would change the dynamic of the large family. Um, and it was fear-based as well. I don't want you to hurt my dad. You know, what does hurting my dad mean? I'm a child. What does that mean? Um, so that, that kind of builds that fear and it's you feel obligated to honour the threat um, and for me, you know, the biggest advice, and it's something that kids talk about so, so much more openly than we did at school, um, they, they have a trusted person they can talk to. And kids today will quite comfortably reach out to someone and say, hey, this person said this, this person did this, and this person touched me like this. So I think there's a lot more education and awareness. And I just, you know, my biggest, you know, lifetime um, goal is to is to make sure that kids can feel safe in everything that's going on for them. Reach out to someone; it is so important. And and another thing is, and and I'm not saying you know these are the emotions that you went through, but I have spoken to a few people now that have said the embarrassment as as a child to come out with this stuff also held them accountable as well and i want people to know it, it's it's not an embarrassment on your end whatsoever the no. person doing this to you the person that has acted on this abuse it is their embarrassment they are the ones that do not want this out there is a reason that they're putting these threats out and know that you're going to be supported and there are 
avenues that we can support you that that bully zero there is so many different other avenues as well that you can go through a counselor um that that is going to help you through this whole process yeah and that kind of abuse is also a form of bullying you know it's the way um you know i see it and i think to myself you know it took me a while to get to where i am now in my career but those experiences and the roles that i had leading up to where i am today taught me a lot like i said it was therapy for me but it taught me a lot about you know the work i needed to do on myself i wasn't the victim i was the survivor actually and the person who took advantage of me that's that's something on another level that I will never understand. It's manipulation. It's control. It's There's a whole bunch of things there that, you know, I've done a lot of reading about, but the blame, I never actually blamed myself. I am so I was, glad to hear that. I was a kid um, and you're trying to navigate the world and when someone um, who should be of a trusting nature takes advantage of that, um, that's on them. So if anyone is experiencing that, that at all it's not your fault um and i think that's the first step to understand that you've done nothing please listen guys this is coming from a survivor it is you're not to blame it is not your fault and and so many people that i've spoken to actually blame themselves to see here to hear you say that janet is is amazing and hopefully more people can go can take something out of this um and know you know if, if they've gone through something similar it is not their fault there is so many different levels of abuse uh you know that none of it is acceptable and you are never the person to blame for the other person's actions Going into the dating world, so we're going back to Janet that was at high school now. How did you find going through, obviously, the trauma that you went through? You're finding your feet. You've, you're going through puberty. I mean, you are really finding the, out the person that you are. How were the first few dating sort of episodes for you? Was it really hard to trust someone? Was it hard for you to open up? Did you have your walls up? Tell us about the Janet that went through her first experience in the dating world. Yeah, walls up completely because, um, you know, growing up, especially during those pubescent years, you know, you're watching your peers who may not have experienced the same sort of thing that you have. So, you know, their excitedness or their willingness to, you know, um, date and have fun um, was so much more easier for them. So for me getting close to a boy I'd get so close to a boy and then I'd pull right back because that would be unsafe territory yes you know and I did that for I did that for a long time probably most of my teenage years you know I just pulled back and lost myself in study and in other things you know the boys were there had fun with boys had crushes on boys all of those kind of things but when it came to you know I didn't have really you know meet and have a proper date with a first boy until I was 17 because I kept pushing them away and and pushing them away did you feel like that was the right thing to do or did you know deep down that was just your safety blanket that was your way of coping with it I think it was just my way. It was just so natural for me to push away. Don't let anyone too close because they're going to hurt you. And how, and, and I mean, we're getting really deep here and, and you're doing such a fantastic job in your 
these hard questions, but how were you with your sister and the dating scene? Was that like a whole next level for you or? Oh, yes. Cause really that, was, that was so different because my sister was so opposite to me and, you know, I'm glad because obviously she never had the experience that I had. So dating for her was very easy. Um, you know, she had, you know, she was, she was dating and having fun with boys and I'd be like, you can't do that. So I'd be very, very protective of her um, and make sure that if she was going somewhere with a boy that I was always very nearby, just in case, you know, I became this super protective sister. I could definitely see that in you. <laughs> it's actually, we, we laugh about it today, actually. We, we do giggle about it and say, you know, it's like I was, you know, a mum on steroids protecting, you know, her baby sister oh, from okay. any boy that would touch her. <laughs> Is she now with a partner now at the moment? She's got two boys, yes. Um, so um, she, and still uh, super she's protective and you, and you tell her partner, you're like, you know, I'm always here. <laughs> and still am, interestingly enough, you know, I, um, like I said earlier, through the roles that I've had in, in my career, you know, I've had, um, you know, I've worked for organisations where, you know, children um, who've, they're, they're, there are children who've been in a similar circumstance to me. Um, and interestingly enough, those, those kids who have similar stories to tell, we had a natural bond. You know, the first time I met some of these kids and I still have relationships with some of these kids today, um, there was a natural bond between us because they had experienced something similar to me and we got each other. And when you talk about this bond, was this something that you spoke about and they connected with you or was it something that you didn't even need to talk about but you could Not feel the vibrations from obviously having them in the same room? Yeah, yeah. And I think from my perspective, you know, there's nothing worse than traumatising or re-traumatising a child who um, is going through their own, um, you know, recovery or their own journey to recovery um, to talk about your own case. I think it was just there was that energy um, and I guess that empathy um, that they could feel from me that was understanding and non-judgmental. And they felt safe to come and talk to me. You know, there were kids that, um, you know, I, I, I've worked with in my career, the most vulnerable kids who've had the most horrific experiences that you could ever imagine who would come and just hug me. And that in itself, you know, there's nothing more rewarding than having a kid trust you. Oh, you tell me about it. I'm, I'm, I'm a father of, 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 a stepson who's 12 and started high school this year and to even hear the words before he goes to bed and say, I love you. It, it is oh. rewarding things that you can go through because, you know, bi biologically I'm, I'm not his father. Um, a lot of things we connected with does not have to do with any bloodline. It's, it's just the mm. connection that we have. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about, the connection that you have with these kids or people that are going through something similar. Is there anything or any advice that you have for parents that to, to get their kids to open up or signs that the kids are going through that they can open up when it comes to this? Yeah. And that's, that's a tough one because often kids don't want to talk to their parents if something's going on, um, especially if something's going on online. You know, if something's going on online for them, you know, the first thing a kid's going to think is that, well, my parents are going to take that device away from me. 
So if I say something, they're going to take my phone away. They're going to take my laptop away. Um, I think the best advice is to notice differences, um, to notice differences in your children's behaviour if they're becoming a little bit more um, aggressive or they are staying locked up in their room or they're not wanting to go to school because suddenly they're getting headaches and sore stomachs. They're often signs that something is going on um, and it's about really learning how to approach or have that conversation with um, you know, a young person that, is where Bully Zero can help. I mean, we've got so many tactics and pieces of advice where parents can reach out to us to um, help them understand how to communicate with their kids if they're struggling, if they're seeing something that doesn't look right. And you have some great mentoring, you know, programs, as you were just saying. Can mm. you can you sort of dive into some of the programs that you have like give us some examples you don't have to use names of, of people that have come to you but just use some examples that have helped families um you know in in the past and obviously in the present yeah absolutely and i think um you know they vary i think our you know what bully zero offers in terms of its programs i think we have about 12 different programs for young people um that vary from basic the basic understanding of bullying um, transitioning from, you know, primary school into high school. Um, and we have kids who might be experiencing, you know, you're in grade six and you're the popular kid, but then you're transitioning into high school and you're no longer the popular kid um, and you might start being um, bullied at school because you're the new kid and you're not as tall as somebody else. We've had lots of stories, you know, like that from parents who reach out and say, oh, my kid hasn't transitioned very well from you know, grade six to, you know, year seven, <clears throat> you know, lots of families struggle with that stuff. We've got um, kids who suffer with, um, I guess, being able to be resilient, kids who've been bullied. Uh, and you know, how do they become resilient? How do they um, deal with issues of bullying in the school? They're all very varied stories, but our programs kind of touch on each one of them individually. We have kindness programs where we're trying to, um, the idea of prevention is so important and it can start with some simple, a simple, you know, kindness gesture. So it just depends on what kids are experiencing. Hard one to tell stories about, but it just depends on what's happening for each individual child. The kindness one is the one that I resonate with the most. Yeah, it's beautiful. You, you you can be or you can have your child as the bully and they don't realise those signs. They don't realise 100% what that kindness means. And, and even going into that transition from primary school to high school, I resonate so well with because that was, that was my stepson. That was, that was hard. Yeah. He went from being the popular kid throughout primary school, the sporty kid, to yeah. going to high school where he didn't hit puberty where the other kids hit puberty. So the growth spurt yeah. wasn't there. And a lot yeah. of the kids just grew out of nowhere. And that was the main picking point at the very start. Uh, we, we, you know, in the early stages and, and mind you, I'm, I'm talking a little bit about my journey now, but I was the opposite end. I was actually picked on throughout my primary school and made a big thing when I went to high school, that wouldn't be me. Uh, I, as I've referred to before, I switched that switch. It was like, how do I become that person that will not be picked on? How do I hide in the shadows where I'm not the person to go to and make a mockery of and, 
it was such an eye opener for, for myself and my wife as parents to to witness to see. Uh, for an example, so so Instagram is the only social you know media network that we let Hart use, and I say yeah. us letting him use it. Primary school, a lot of the kids were getting it, and we. Yeah. And when you get to high school, that is something that you can have. Um, but as long as you know we're going to have access to it, we want your passcodes, we want you to be flexible with your phone, that you can pass us your phone so we can read your messages. You delete messages, you're going to lose that, lose that privilege. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, and I can, I can talk about this now, Janet, I felt like that was too much control. I felt like that was shadowing our child. In hindsight, it was the best thing that we did because that was how we read the signs. It was it was this the bullying online that triggered what was actually happening, and it took a few weeks. It took a bit of time before we got it out of heart what was happening. But once uh, it, it really opened up, it opened up a whole world to something that we weren't ready for, but needed to take on and. As I was saying to you on the phone before, this is the reason why I got in contact with with Bully Zero. It's the reason why I started the Anti-Bully Club, the podcast, the YouTube channel that I want to bring out. It is the awareness that I want to bring out in not just the children but also the parents for them to realise the signs and to learn from the experiences from others. Mm. Mm. And I think too what you've just mentioned now about um, you know, kids experiencing, um, you know, cyberbullying online. We've got two programs um, that, that, that deal with that exactly. So we have a safety net program um, where we go out and speak to young people and we provide them with, with information about cyberbullying and online safety. Um, and the most critical parts about that um, is helping them to understand what cyberbullying is and how it can be recognised. And it also provides, um, you know, those kids with practical opportunities to build skills that help them develop personal strategies to protect themselves online. Then we offer the same one for parents so that both um, parent and child can have that conversation to make sure that this is the reason why we're monitoring your phone. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I spoke at a parent session once and I said, it's almost like, you know, we give our children uh, these phones. And in some instances, when I think about Alan, you know, it was that tool that he experienced cyberbullying and took his life. We wouldn't hand our children the keys to a car, would we? That's a good question. When That's- you think about it, we wouldn't hand them the keys to a car. So they've got to be 18, they've got to have the education, they've got to get their learner's permit, they've got to get the hours up, they've got to understand the road rules and how to navigate and use a car and be safe in a car. But when we hand our young people a telephone, are we doing that piece of work? That is a great way to put it. Yeah, it's something I thought about and I thought, let's think about it that way. Yep. You got to have your L plates on before you get your license. You got to get a certain amount of hours in. You, That's right. You, and when you get your learners, who's in the car with you? A trusted yeah. adult. You can't learn by yourself. You can't navigate by yourself. You've got someone watching your every move. It should be no different to that experience on a phone. And I'm not going to lie to anyone that's listening right now, but that is the first time I've heard it put into perspective like that. And it resonates with me so well because it is so true. Why give your kids the keys and say, go for it? 
go for it because you don't know who's on the other side, who's talking to your child. Um, there are so many platforms that predators and people that you don't want talking to your children can talk to your children. And they're not going to tell you if they experience something like that because the first thing that goes through their mind is mum and dad are going to take that device away from me. Uh, I can so imagine. education is absolutely key. If we can get kids to feel comfortable enough and to trust them enough to say, hey, mum or dad, I've just received this message on my phone. And, and not just that, but for parents that are listening to know that your kids are going to be in these devices. They're going to be on these social media platforms no matter what. It doesn't yeah. matter whether they're doing it at the age of 12 or they're doing it at the age of 15. It's going to happen eventually. Yeah. You need to be an open book. You need some. You need to be that person that they can talk to. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on them wanting to tell you these things. You're going to miss out on the opportunity to stop someone that is potentially being a predator on your child. Yeah. yeah. And that hurts me to say. That is one of the hardest things to say, but the world is not a safe place at all times. The yeah. social media aspect and the internet has opened up a whole different category when it comes to predators or yeah. people that have the wrong, I was going to say the wrong mindset, but they've got the wrong headspace when it comes to yeah. this because they're in it for themselves. They're not right. in anything else than it for their own satisfaction and we need kids to be aware of this your kids to be aware of this and i am just so grateful that this is you know in perspective this has come from a high school bullying experience and it hasn't come outside that box and i'm not saying it's not ever going to come outside that box but at this stage in my stepson's life it has strictly come from kids in his school but i can only just imagine the kids that are receiving this outside of that scope i mean thinking about it the xbox your playstation it's online now you can be playing with kids that you do not know if they're actually kids and they are talking to you on your headset as you're playing whatever game that you're playing i think Fortnite's one of the most popular. Right. yeah i can only imagine that there are some predators on those channels as well absolutely i i know the other day we were filming a brand new video about <clears throat> bullying for Bully Zero that we want to launch next week. And one of our ambassadors actually said something that resonated um, with me. She said, you know, our bully, the bullies are in our back pocket now. That's true. And I just went, you're so right. Like, you know, I know when I was at school, if you were being bullied at school, it stayed there. You know, you went home, you didn't have access to computers or you didn't have, you know, your learning wasn't online. So you could you could transition between the both. But now she said, we are carrying the bully in our back pocket. And 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 Janet, that was that was me in in primary school. I could escape from it because there was no bully in my back pocket. It happened at school. And when I went home, it was gone. If I approached a teacher at the time, and this was the hardest thing I think for me being a kid was the teachers wouldn't listen at the time. They, as you said, sticks and stones won't break my bones or will break my bones. They will. <laughs> <laughs> words, but words will not hurt me. And I remember yeah. thinking, no, the words are what hurting me the most. Yep. <laughs> not, not the sticks and stones. I've had stones and sticks thrown at me by these kids and that does not hurt. You know, the physical stuff for me at the <laughs> was like whatever. But yeah. it was stuff that was saying to me that was really hurting, you know, yeah. 
the person that I was and I was just lucky I could go home to a loving family and forget about it and not have that social media aspect where it, where it came back into play. I could get a good night's sleep. I might have got some anxiety before I went to school, but that was about it. And when I got to school, I would cop that little bit of flack. And, you know, in hindsight, I had it pretty easy compared to other kids and people yeah. through a lot of other shit. Um, but I, I had enough to know when I went to high school and I've spoken about this so much. It was it was the switch. You know what? What can I do to prevent that? How do mm. I become the person that's not bullied? And I don't know if I've told you this before, Janet, but prior to re- releasing the Anti Bully Club, I actually, um, you know, reached out to quite a few people that I thought I might have bullied throughout high school, and the response that I got was just amazing. Um, the people that said to me, "No, I didn't actually think of you as a bully." Um, how do I, how do I buy that t-shirt again? <laughs> it was, it was such an <laughs> amazing response. Um, and, and, and I knew that it was putting me on the right direction from what I wanted to do. And I felt as though, as long as I reached out to the people that I felt like I might've been unkind to, I was on yeah. the right track. And mind you, there might be someone listening that I didn't reach out to. And I do apologize. I, I reached out to a few of the ones that I remember, but I can't remember my whole childhood. I don't remember everyone that I spoke to. Uh, but anyone that that I may have said something to, or I've done something to, you know, sincerely from the bottom of my heart, it was not meant. It was more of a safety net for me at the mm-hmm. time where I didn't want to become the bully. And this is what leads me to my next question for you. What advice do you have for someone that is the bully that is listening to this podcast right now? Um, an awesome question. And I think the advice that I have is that you know, we understand or I understand that there's something going on for you. I understand that your behaviour um, is a reflection of whatever you may be experiencing at home, at school, at work, and it's okay. Um, but I think it's really important that you acknowledge that your behaviour or your actions can have consequences for people and that you need to address it. You need, again, just like I said to those people who are being bullied and need support, you need support too. Um, so it's okay to pick up the phone and talk to someone. It's okay to find um, a counsellor. It's okay to approach a teacher or a trusted adult and have that conversation because we can turn that around. Bullying is a learned behaviour. We're not born to be bullies. We're not born to be unkind. It's often a result of something that's going on for you. And I think the sooner you can get some assistance to understand why you're behaving the way you are, the sooner we can mend that for you and have you on the track to being what you want to be. And that's a nice, kind person that offers value to society. Oh, those words alone just gave me tingles. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and it's so true. Uh, you know, reflecting on the person that I was at the time, reflecting on the young adult that I was and and went through and and the experiences. I wish I had someone that said to me, hey, this is not okay. I wish I had that avenue where someone said, um, you know, you can talk to someone about the emotions that you're going through and, and the roadblocks, the reason why you're acting the way that you're acting. Come and talk to us. Come and, come and yeah. have a chat. 
sit down. What, why are you feeling like this? Why are you so overwhelmed? Why do you have this safety blanket over yourself where you think that you need to reflect on others? And I'm truly grateful that there's avenues like Bully Zero that can help people yeah. understand the feelings that they're going through. Because even as a bully, um, as that person that is um, trying to be strong, that person that's trying to look after themselves, you need to understand the ripple effect that you're having on people around you. And yeah. the whole reason I started the Anti-Bully Club, it is to know if you are a bully. It is to know if you are the person that's being bullied but doesn't understand why. It is to create that safe place. And I couldn't have done this without Janet. I couldn't have done this without Bully Zero. I couldn't have done this without the support of the people around me and the people that want to come yeah. here and tell their story on the show. So, Janet, the first thing I want to say to you here is thank you for the opportunity. You're so welcome. And I think just to add a bit of hope and, and refreshment to our conversation, you know, our programs and, and when we get out there and deliver them, we do see a shift in behaviour. We see kids who've become upstanders, who don't tolerate that behaviour, who will call out a bully and say, this is not okay. And that's the first start to change. So there's that little bit of hope that I just wanted to instill out there that our programs are changing, um, you know, the trajectory of, of the way the world is shaped. These young people are turning into, um, you know, adults that are helping us to create a safe, valued and respected world. They're speaking up. And it's true. I mean, the programs that you have in place, the journals that you sent to me from Kimberly that, that she you know, rode up and she's from the Sunshine Coast as well. It was just truly an amazing experience that Hart and I could go through together. Um, and from that Hart and I, we, we do, you know, we're doing the fundamentals. Every day we write three things we're grateful for, three things that we know that we're truly blessed to have in our lives and then something that we want to improve on or something that might be a goal that we want to set. And it. Yeah. Both of us enjoy every night that we get to write these down. We both look at each other sometimes. It's like, what am I going to write today? And then <laughs> we're writing it on paper. I'm saying it on the phone and posting it on the Instagram. It's it's It just comes to us now so naturally. And I think we're up to day 17 or something of, of, of this process. And we're both getting each other on board to just continue it and, and get us through it and, it's become part of our everyday life now. It's become the norm. Yeah, I actually saw your um, Insta story about the three things today and I went, go, that is awesome. <laughs> and it's so different because it it actually does bring you out of your comfort zone, especially if you're doing it online. It's, it's a totally yeah. different comfort zone. I do recommend anyone that's starting off to just write it down yourself that you can reflect on it. Yeah. Uh, just something that you can read yourself. And if you've got someone that you trust or a parent or a guardian that you can read over it with you and see what their perspective is on it. And that's what I do with Hart. We go over his and we go over why he's grateful for that. And then his goal, we go about how we can go about reaching that goal. It's about being a team. It's not just one person or one individual. It's like, this is what I'm grateful for. It's becoming a part of a family. Um, yeah. And that, and that's why I'm doing this. It's why we've started this and we're going to keep going with it and keep collaborating with Bully Zero and, and creating this safe place and, and growing it and getting that exposure and the things that you guys have got coming into schools and the programs. Yeah, that's awesome. How, that's awesome. how do people 
get in contact with you? How do people find out about Bully Zero? What are the avenues that people can undertake? I'm going to put in the show notes, mind you, but yep. I want people on there as well easy um i mean the word itself bully zero if you were just to type that into google it would lead you to our website we are on instagram we are on facebook we are on tiktok we are on twitter we are on instagram we are everywhere um so you can contact us through any of those platforms directly on our website um or you can email us as well um info at bullyzero.org.au um, and anyone would be very happy to talk to you if you needed advice. And you have great staff. I remember even before <laughs> talking to you, I spoke to, um, and, and I, I'm so sorry that I've forgotten her name, but I spoke to one of your, um, you know, your colleagues. And when I told him what I wanted to do prior to saying I want to support uh, <laughs> Bully Zero, I said, look, I'm saying this Andy Bully Club and I want a charity, I want to support uh the feedback that I got was was overwhelming for me. It was like, uh, you know, thank you and the gratitude and just everything that I was not expecting from the phone call I received. And then to say, we're going to put you onto Janet, the, the CEO, I was like, really? <laughs> it was <laughs> such a whirlwind effect on, on me as a person that had, I still see myself as a small business. Like I know that we're growing and we're starting to really make an impact with, with Wilder Haas, but to, to hear a colleague of yours say to me, we want this to happen. We want, you know, yeah. we believe in what you're doing. Yeah. It made everything for me so much easier. It made everything for me so much more fluent and so welcoming. So thank you to, you know, not just yourself, but your staff, your colleagues everyone your ambassadors your volunteers everyone that's behind the whole you know bully zero that's 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 doing their thing to get this out there it is truly remarkable uh, thank you so much and you know our you know our belief is that you know together you know small business large business volunteers you name it our donors you know our board of directors our ambassadors you you name everyone every member of our community we understand that together, you know, we become happy by what we give and you being a part of the Bully Zero family is about achieving that. We will create change. We will impact lives and we will change the way um, people feel. We want them to feel safe, valued and respected and you're part of that. You're part of that impact and mission. So we thank you for that. And and that is truly a blessing. Um, I do want to, before we come to a close, I want to talk about this, you know, 200,000 people to donate $1. I, I don't want to talk about this. I want you to talk about this. But tell us what we're donating this $1 towards. I know this is solely, truly, you know, to your heart and something that you believe in. And, and I have put into my stories before, but, what are we donating to and what are we achieving with this donation? 200,000 yeah. of us to donate $1. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, let me just give you a short little story. We have um, a 14-year-old girl, Mia, who wrote to us with her wish. You know, she wished that she wasn't picked on every day at school. She wished, She wishes that she wasn't laughed at. She wished she could escape comments that she was receiving online and she wished that she could feel safe even on her journey on the bus ride home. She wishes 
for the most is to not be bullied and she wished that she could feel safe and feel like she belongs and is no longer bullied. So the idea of helping Mia achieve that wish and that dream was to run a campaign to try and get 200,000 people to give. You've just dropped out, but it was for everyone. I don't know if you can hear me at the moment, Janet. The line has just dropped out, but to don't. Are we back? We're back. We're definitely. Yes. Sorry. So the idea is to try and get 200,000 people out of a population of about 26 million in Australia to give $1 each. Um, And that $200,000 would allow us to deliver 200 life-saving bullying prevention programs to the most vulnerable communities around Australia. So anyone that's listening, in the show notes, I'm going to be leaving all the details for anyone to get in touch with Bully Zero. On Janet's page, I do believe it's five maybe posts down on your Instagram um, because I'm going to be putting your Instagram in the show notes. And basically you're going to see donate here and it is like a, a QR code. Yeah. And, you know, scan the QR code. It's going to take you to the direct link and, and away we go. It's, it's simple, it's easy, and it's, it's only a dollar. So for anyone out there that wants to put something towards a great cause, I do strongly recommend that this is something that I'm passionate about. I wanted to raise this at the end of the podcast so everyone knows how well and how truly respected Bully Zero is and their mission and what they're trying to achieve, and that is to make everyone feel safe, whether it's on your school bus, at school, or you know, whatever it is in a school day life. Bang on. We only need 200,000 people. Should be easy, hey? It should be easy, but I, <laughs> I do having a, a conversation with you and, and it's amazing the, the perspective that other people have. It's like, oh, you know, George or Joe or Joanne, they're, they're going to donate to that or they're going to buy that T-shirt or they're going to do this so I don't need to do it. It's, a, it's amazing the mindset that people have and yep. if they're, one thing that I can say to anyone that is listening, get out of that mindset. Think of what you can do. Take ownership of what your responsibility is, or not just your responsibility, but what your own ethics are, what you believe in. If you believe that this is a cause that you want to support, don't rely on other people. Be that person to make that step. And then not just make that step, but then tell your best friend or your mum or your brother or your sister about it and say, this is what I've done. Would you be happy to do the same thing? Because this is how we create that awareness, the hype, the exposure, the the way that we go about things to make sure that these things become fruition. And it truly is word of mouth is the most amazing tool in life. It is definitely not dead. Social media is a big aspect, but word of mouth from people that you trust and respect is the biggest thing I truly believe that is going to make a difference. 100%. This has been amazing. I'm not going to lie to you. I have been super nervous, excited, everything and motion to get you on this podcast. Have you got any final words that you want to say to the audience? Oh, look, I think, um, and this is a question that I often ask people when I go out and I talk to crowds about bullying and the work we do, I want you to just have a think about these three questions and 
to maybe put your hand up in the silence of your own room. Think about these three questions. Put your hand up if you've been bullied. Put your hand up if you've been a bully. Put your hand up if you've seen someone be bullied and you've done nothing about it. I kid you not when I ask those three questions to a room full of people, every hand up is every hand is up in the room. That should be a measure for you to take an action, get onto our website and make a dollar so that we can change the landscape for every single Australian. Wow. <laughs> Anyone listening, wow. Just just listen to that again. Rewind, listen. That's powerful and, and impactful and something that's going to make a difference. Jada, it has been an absolute pleasure. And this is not the only podcast that we're going to be doing um we have more to come we have a youtube channel and i'd love to see you and meet you face to face we've got some kids on the show that we're going to have with heart doing their own spin-off show eventually down the track in the new year it's amazing the opportunities that you have given me to showcase my passion and to embrace it has been truly remarkable on my end and i just want to thank you for all the work that you've done on your end as well Thank you so much. And together, like I said, together we will change the landscape for all Aussies. Go team. Go team and we're going to get Have Thank a great Thank you so night. much. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this and we will be in touch. Thank you so much. And for everyone that's listening, have a great weekend, an absolute blessed Christmas and New Year. And these podcasts, they're dropping Monday night on the reg, 6 p.m. Have a good night, everyone.